The Other Side podcast mission is to discuss important cultural and social issues relating to race, culture, gender, and equality. Welcome. In partnership with the Columbus Dispatch, The Other Side podcast is featuring a series of special podcast episodes called In Black and White. The series is devoted to discussing race and equality and their impact on society. Dr. Terrence Dean and I will be interviewing community leaders and artists in relevant fields to try to answer some of the most important questions related to race and the black experience. And joining us today is Columbus City Council Member Emmanuel Remy. Council Member Remy it has served on the Columbus City Council since 2018. He's the chair of the Economic Development, Environment, and Administration Committees. Also joining us today is the in-house counsel for the Columbus City Council, and she's also a legal analyst in the Legislative Legal Office, Naya Walters. Thank you very much for both of you joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. We are very excited um, to have you both here, especially during this critical moment within our community, within our world. But as Columbus is growing and then this new measure, this new interest comes along, redistricting. And it creates this buzz um, in neighborhoods and African-American communities, other communities as well. And everyone's trying to figure out what it is and what it isn't. I was fortunate enough to go through the redistricting forms that you all have on the website. And I was like, as a I'm a layperson, but also a layperson who works in the academy. And there was a lot of information to go through and to filter through. And I wondered how would an everyday normal citizen get through all this information, parse it out and make sense of what this means for them, their communities, and what's going to happen to them in the long run and where Columbus is going next. So I wanted to invite you both here because I think this is very important um, to speak in layman's terms, like to really just break it down for those of us who like trying to figure out what does this really mean in the everyday experience of people who are just going to work every day or trying to figure out what's going to happen to my voting rights, what's going to happen to my community and my taxes. What's going to happen to my community? Who will be the representative of my neighborhood? And does that mean we have to vote in new members, new council members? How are they going to split up these communities? Based on what? Would this also impact or you know, contribute more to redlining that's already historically been implicated in communities? A lot of questions a lot of people have in their mind, and I have some of those. So if you could just break it down. In layman's terms, what is actually going to happen with this whole redistricting of Columbus? I'll start. And, uh, <laughs> Naya, Naya knows all the technical details, so if I, whatever I miss, um, and we'll try to be as plain English as possible, there is a lot of information. Absolutely. It was very important for us to be transparent, and so we wanted everything to be out there for people to view, uh, maybe uh, unlike our our partners at the state uh, who are going through the same process. It appears to be kind of backdoor operations. We're, we're trying to make sure that everything, you know, there's many, 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 there's been a series. I don't know where are we at now, Naya, 15 or greater. There's probably more than that meetings that we've held already, public meetings and, and certainly the documentations there. But in layman's terms, in 2018, the voters were faced with the opportunity to change the way that Columbus votes for their representation for city council for the first time in over 100 years. And they overwhelmingly improved uh, the expansion of council to nine members from seven today. And the, what they said was, we want people to live in nine distinct geographic areas of the city. And 
I think what they also said was, we don't want this infighting between one district and another that, you know, I happen to live up near Northland. And if I were to say Northland in area, you know, I want what I want for my district and Naya lives downtown and she's fighting for what she wants in her district. They wanted to avoid a lot of that. And so I always say that, you know, where you live, you kind of know where the potholes are. I know this city very well, but I can tell you where the potholes are in my neighborhood. And so I think that's really the gist of it. And so when we look at these dividing lines and the challenges of dividing the city up nine different ways, especially with another challenging parameter of only having a 1% variance between the largest and the smallest district, which is about 905 votes. Is that right? Uh, 1,006 people. Okay. So, right. So very small variance between the largest and the smallest. Unfortunately, some neighborhoods are going to get divided in some area commissions and civic associations, et cetera. But you know what? The good news is, is that if you live on that side of the street and have a representative in a different district and I live on this side of the street, they're still both our representatives because all the residents of the city of Columbus are going to vote for every single district in this process. So, again, it goes back to nine distinct members living in nine distinct parts of geographic areas of the city so that there's greater familiarity with those areas. But hopefully we don't end up with the infighting of, you know, I want what I want for my district. We're thinking on a, in a broader term and we're thinking about at large, what's the best for our city. Okay. So will that mean that each council member, you know, having working knowledge of the entire, you know, city itself, it will not be required that they live in a particular district but they will be helping to work together as a united front to get what the city needs for those particular areas. Like you said, you know, if I know the potholes in this area, what this part of the city needs, what this community needs over here, not necessarily all oh, the black community needs this, you know, Bexley and all these others need that, you know, um, all these other need, you know, very specific needs. It won't change the financial, you know, restraints of how much money they're getting versus how much we're getting. It's almost like a, we're all working collectively for the same common cause. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, I would say that everyone is technically still together. So, I mean, council members do have to live in their district. So if yeah. you are going to run for a specific district, you have to live in that district. And under the current um, current laws, you have to live there by March of 22 to be able to run for your district because these districts don't actually take effect until 2023. Um, but it's still a collective effort from council to represent all of their constituents, but you just have someone who's in your neighborhood. And so it's kind of nice because it's like if you have, if there's one neighborhood that's kind of split in two districts, that means they have, you know, not one person that's living in their neighborhood, but they have two people living in their neighborhood. But ultimately all nine council members are responsible to all the residents of Columbus. So I think that um, just understanding that this is not about dividing, it's about uniting, um, but it's also about having someone that is living in your area. In terms of the representation, the council member, they have a vote on what happens in these other districts, right? So couldn't you end up in a situation where people are, are making decisions for a district that's not theirs, right? Or uh, I'm not sure how they'll be labeled, but let's just say the, the Southern District or the Northern District, whatever, you could have someone from outside of the neighborhood having a vote on a neighborhood that, that, they, that they don't necessarily belong to? How do you avoid having someone making decisions for a district that they may not particularly be in tune with or knowledgeable about? So I think it 
you know, let's look at where we're at today. Today, we're an at-large system. And I'll never forget being down in Linden at a community meeting with the commission that, that decided how, you know, they made the recommendation, the districting commission on this this program or, you know, this uh, what we're, we're dealing with in 23. And I remember the la- these ladies from Linden saying, you know, I like our system today because we have seven different people that we can advocate, you know, go to and ask for change. And, you know, it won't be any different in 2023, except you'll have nine now. What happens when you go into districts is, um, and sometimes you have a hybrid where there's some at-large and then there's some district representation, but you actually shrink the number of people that you can go to and advocate on your behalf because you have that one district representation and then you've got maybe some at-large. Or if we had gone just to simply district, you'd only have that one person to go talk to really because the rest of them aren't going to be as interested. But to your point, it's it's still majority rule. And so, you know, the way that we work today is we're under a committee structure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, me being the chair of economic development, environment, administration, my colleagues leave, lean heavily on me to be the expert in those three areas. Okay. And mm-hmm. so when it comes time for legislation, I'm the one that calls my colleagues and say, Hey, I, this is what's going on. I want you to be aware of it. Answer their questions, arrange for briefings if they need like further, like detailed briefings from the departments. It won't be much different moving forward in 24 where somebody says, okay, you're, you live on the South side and there's an issue that comes up down there. I would anticipate that that, that person that represents that area I would go to them and I would say, hey, tell me more about what's going on on Parsons Avenue. And I would rely on them to let me know that there's an issue there and they'll explain it in greater detail. So I I, I see it as, you know, again, back to being a democracy majority rule. I mean, we would definitely lean on our colleagues that were from the other parts of the city to understand the issues at hand. Thank you. Do you think with that redistricting that it will help um, communities that have um, historically been marginalized and oppressed or have not received as much funding or support um, if they are in a, with, within a district that a community is thriving and has much more support? Um, will it level the playing field for that community that has you know, historically been suppressed? Or thinking about, you know, redlining or having more adequate resources, you know, and I'm thinking about like the King Lincoln area or, you know, Hilltop and all these other areas. I think that you would find if you look at our historically in the last few years, this council in particular, regardless of our structure, has been very uh, cognizant and aware of where spending takes place. And we've been challenging the administration to make sure that there's equitable distribution throughout the community in some of those marginalized areas. I'm currently working with my colleagues right now. There's a, there's a portion of Livingston Avenue, for instance, that feels like they've been forgotten. And they, you know, they're not wrong. There has not been a significant investment in those areas around, you know, Miller Kelton and and that stretch in there. And then recently they just announced a project, the administration announced a project with Bexley from Nelson Road to the east. Well, that added insult to injury because there again, they haven't had any investment down there. So we're really pushing on the administration 
to focus on that area. And, and fortunately, we just heard from the Department of Public Service that they've allocated some Vision Zero dollars to start studying the traffic. Um, I know, if, especially if you're at Kelton and Livingston and that jog over to Lockbourne and that, there's a lot of accidents in that area. And there has to be a better way of, you know, getting traffic moving through there that creates less points of conflict. And so, you know, we're going to continue to push for that. And I think you'll see with the districting, I think it'll even improve even more. Nye, did you um, want to add something to that? Yeah, I don't think that it will necessarily create like different things in, ter- in terms of like people being, their neighborhoods being kind of like underwhelmed or with, or with uh, resources or um, neighborhoods that are overwhelmed. I don't know that it'll necessarily do that because again, the playing field is still the same as it is now. Um, I think you will just have someone in your neighborhood who's more aware. And so that that awareness is a key in making sure that those concerns are heard. So I think that will assist in, you know, bringing more resources and bringing more development to certain areas because there is a person who is keenly aware because they live in your neighborhood. Um, so I think that will help to kind of create more, um, more awareness and then in turn more um, opportunities for certain neighborhoods because they have someone who's more aware. Okay. So with that in mind, then how does that impact communities or members who want to be involved actively and in helping to re um, to reassess or make sure that these resources are helping the council members to um, be informed of what's happening in community? For instance, because I'm pretty sure you all will be extremely stretched. You know, moving forward, trying to represent various different communities and neighborhoods who have very different needs. Is there a board or some ways that community members can be involved? Or, or is there, I think I, I saw something on, on your website that said that um, there's a member board that um, persons have or can be a part of. Is it like two, a two-year term or three-year term or is that only for council members? So currently, I mean, at least under this plan, we serve four years. And after the redistricting in um, 2023, we'll draw straws, literally. That'll be an interesting meeting. And uh, some of the members will, five members will get four-year terms and four members will get two so that they're staggered again. But moving forward, we'll be back to uh, four-year terms. I think what you're referring to are area commissions. Yes. Columbus is a unique uh, city in a lot of ways because we've got this very robust, strong area commission structure, and that is an advocacy group for the area in which they serve. They also, very importantly, are the first line uh, uh, as it relates to development. And so they, you know, review the plans, they raise concerns, they get a lot of the adjustments that need to be made on a particular project before they come further up the chain with building and zoning services and the development commission, and then ultimately some come to council. So that is a way for people to engage initially. But I think you'll find, again, since my tenure on council and our finance chair, President Pro Tem um, Elizabeth Brown, we have taken our budget process, our capital budget budget process, and we've taken our show on the road and gotten out in the community to make sure that every neighborhood understands, you know, the commitments and the and the proposed commitments by the administration. Because remember, the administration, the mayor and the administration, they're the ones that propose the budget. Right. And then we are the ones as legislators to, uh, you know, say, OK, we need to do a little bit better over here, we're not making the commitments and push on the administration to make some changes. Uh, We ultimately have budgetary control, but it is a strong mayor system in the city of Columbus. And so, you know, we have a, you know, we have to band together as a council and and work with the administration to try to make sure that things are fair and equitable if they're, you know, initially outlaid and they're not. 
so we do a lot of public outreach um, through the process. And so, I mean, that that was kind of the gist of that. Take Nye is ready to add something. So yeah, I just wanted to make a point of clarification that all nine mem- all nine seats will be up for grabs in 2023. So it will be a clean slate for council, meaning that everyone that wants to run has run. So it won't be the existing seven members and then two additional people to run for those new districts. It will be an entire. Um, overhaul of council so everyone will have to run. I think that's important to note. So when he's talking about the process of them drawing the lots to get, you know, the the four-year terms where five five members will get four-year terms and four members will get two-year terms, I think it's, you know, important to note that everyone will have to be in their district. Um, And so I think for that part of it, it'll be kind of helpful because they have to receive 250 signatures from that district. So um, that will be a little different than our current system where you can kind of collect signatures from across the city. Um, in this new system, they will have to collect 250 additional signature, initial signatures to get on the ballot to run for their district. So I just wanted to uh, clarify that piece. Wow, that changes the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then, so I, Scott, I know you have a question around voting, so I'll let you go ahead because I have a question around voting. So go ahead. Just to follow up on, on what Naya just said, so the reception been like for the current members, are they pretty receptive of this new plan or are they more or less, this is what the citizens have said and they're just kind of complying with with what the people say that they want? I think in general, members seem to be engaged in the process and excited about, you know, doing representing the city well, which they've already been doing. So I think it's just, this is just a different way of representation. When this was put on the ballot, it was put on the ballot by council in 2018. So I think the people at the time, I mean, obviously we have some newer faces that weren't here when this happened, but um, I think overall council has been supportive of this process. I mean, with 70, 76% of the city voting in favor of this, I think that, you know, it was responsive to what the citizens of Columbus went. And so I think as council, council always wants to represent the the views of our residents. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I... I'll be ending my four-year term. However, you know, the people that just got elected, Shannon, Nick, and and Lourdes, they they knew going into this that they were really only running for a two-year term uh, because, again, we'll all have to run in 2023. And so, you know, there, there, there's likely to be some members of council that decide not to run again or or maybe move on to some other role. Um, you know, I've, I've always said, you know, my commitments to the residents and serving on city council. And so that's what I hope to do, but voters willing. But the, you know, there's other people that have different ambitions and, and higher aspirations. And so, you know, we'll see what that that's like. But it is, like Naya said, a true reset of council and, and the opportunity for the voters to put in, you know, nine members, some new, some old. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that, that works moving forward. So my second question is, when you look at the maps, the proposed maps, the first thing that jumped out to me was how irregular shaped the the districts are. So my question is, one, how were those boundaries determined and what sort of preventative measures are, are going to be in place to prevent uh, gerrymandering, so to speak, uh, of these boundaries and these districts in the future? Well, I'll start to fill in the blanks. You know, okay. they, they have to be contiguous. You know, that was something that was outlaid in the charter so that you couldn't have like islands over here that are part of the same district. Really, I think it really boils down to one caveat, and that's the 1% variance between the largest and the smallest. It really made sure that, you know, you couldn't, it's a very strict performa. Okay. And so to give you an idea, the state only, they, they're allowed a 5% variance. 
So that's, you know, probably three is the good balance, like in between, but 1% is, is really strict. And so there, I, when they were drawing these things, they were looking at things like, you know, kind of the racial makeup and, and looking at, um, you know, income limits and, and things along those lines. And Naya can speak to that much more eloquently than I can. But those are the things that, you know, I, but it is funny because you didn't, you know, it wasn't what we kind of thought would happen when we saw these things being created. So, uh, Naya, you can pick up where I left off. Sure. So there are seven districting criteria that the commission was required to um, consider when they were drafting the maps. Um, so making sure they're, um, that they are in line with the applicable local, state, and federal laws. Um, like Councilman Remy mentioned, um, the 1%. So that is, these districts are population-based. They're not based on square mileage. So some of the districts look larger, um, but that's because they maybe are not as densely populated as other areas. Um, so that's something that we looked at. Um, we looked at existing um, election precincts, area commission civic associations. We looked at ex uh, waterways and roadways as natural boundaries. Um, no uh, cracking or packing, so no gerrymandering. Um, also, you know, making sure that districts are not drawn to favor or disfavor a political group. So those were, you know, some of the bigger things that we looked at in the process of making these maps. Um, so all those things were considered, but we also had a very robust public engagement process. We did a survey uh, where we collected over 2,300 responses. We also did a public comment tool on each draft of the maps. Um, which we received almost 500 comments between the first two releases of the maps. Um, we're going to be doing another map release on November 10th, so we're excited about that. Now will be the final release. But we consider all those things. I visited several area commissions and presented to them and answered questions. We had educational meetings. We had community meetings where we visited the north, east, south, and west quadrants of the city. Um, we also did some targeted meetings to talk to our most vulnerable communities, people who's voices don't often come to the table or they're underheard. Um, so also tapping in with our new Americans community. So we did a very robust public engagement process to ensure that everyone who wanted their voice to be heard had an opportunity to be heard. All of our meetings are public. The public is open and free to attend if they had wanted to attend. Um, so I think, you know, we did a lot of transparency. I think that for me as kind of person that was kind of leading the project on, on the staffing side, it was important to me that the process was transparent and that everyone whose voice wanted to be heard had the opportunity to be heard. Awesome. No, thank you. So so with that in mind, so with just, you know, um, voting, do you think that perhaps it will change the dynamic of a community or a district and its voting patterns? You know, if these things shift and merge, yeah, you're both like this, and you're here like hmm, interesting. How would that impact voting um, and um, also, you know, um, people's right? You know, I guess their their interest, the political interest, and you know, and maybe changing um, a council member, flipping a council member for that district. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think this creates a lot of options. So in the primary, you can have really a robust amount of candidates running in the primary. So like if there are four people that want to run from one district in every district, that's 36 candidates. You know, <laughs> that is a lot for people to sift through and kind of figure out who is the person they should vote for. Right. So I think in some cases it could it gives you more options, but it could also overwhelm the voter. Like, oh, this is too many options. Like I I don't want to make a choice or I, you know, I don't want to dig into each candidate. So I think it just really, really depends. I think that people sometimes discredit the importance of local elections and how important these are, even more important than like your presidential elections, because this is what, this controls what happens in your community. So I'm hoping that and hopeful that people will 
um, engage and really dig in um, because it's like this is, you know, someone that has to get votes from your community specifically uh, or get signatures from your community specifically. So it's like, you know, what are what are the values that they have that align with what your values are for your community? And so I'm hoping that people will kind of take advantage of that. We also, you know, I think it's important to note that this is revisited every 10 years, too. And so, you know, the districts themselves. But to Naya's point, I mean, they're, it's still a big question mark. It really could be overwhelming. It may be more than 36. You know, it could be five people from every district. And so you just don't know. And, you know, that, that will be a lot to consume for the average voter. Yeah. But again, you know, I think that that type of engagement is exciting and robust for a city that's 900,000 plus residents now and soon to be a million and continuing to grow at it like, you know, at a very, very fast pace. So I'm, I'm hopeful that um, it does get people more involved. I, you know, that's the reason that I like to be in the seat and serve the people this way is because we get, we get to really touch every live in the city of Columbus and what we do. And, and it's incredibly impactful um, again, you know, you'd love to see the turnout be greater than the presidential election because it's that important to the residents. But, uh, you know, we'll continue to push people to get out to vote. Awesome. I mean, I think what you all have done is laid out a really, really you know, thorough plan and also um, exciting new direction for the city of Columbus with this uh, redistricting. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to take place in the next um, couple of years, say 2023, and then you know, the new elections that are going to be coming up. Um, Maybe we'll see 30 over 37 candidates running. Um, but I'm hopeful that more community engagement will happen, that more people will get involved and be excited about community. Um, but any final thoughts that we should take away as um, listeners, but also those who live in community, how to get more involved? Um, and I know, you know the, the key thing you know, most people say, well, vote, you know, get involved in your political, you know, way of, of voting. But socially, you know, because now that these communities will be in various districts together, how do we build community across these lines that are now going to be um, drawn? Um, have you all considered that? Because I saw some of the things, some of the plans, like, you know, the commissions and, you know, buildings of you know, zoning commissions and um, neighborhood, um, you know, um, revitalizations and historic districts. So how do we build those community lines so people can feel like, okay, I'm not just, I can be building for our district as well, not just one community, but as a district. A community is only as strong as its residents, you know? So when you are living in a democratic system, it is imperative that you are involved in the process because you truly hold the key to the destiny of your city. I think that you know, the districts, while they are creating dividing lines, um, we are still one community. And so I think just reminding residents that we are one community strong, regardless of the districting lines, I think, you know, don't think of them as differences. I mean, I know when you think about race, people say, you know, you don't know you're different until someone tells you that you're different. And so this this isn't like that. You know, we are in different we may be in different areas of the of the city, but we are all one community. We are all striving for a better Columbus. So I think just keeping in mind that you know, when a, one district succeeds, that is that is contributing to the success of all the districts that are around it. So if we build one area of the city, that contributes to a domino effect of continuous building across the city. So I think just reminding residents that you know, it's not the things that divide us, but it's the things that unite us that make us better. You know, and I'm excited. I I. I look at myself as a cheerleader for the city of Columbus. 
And I tell people that, you know, especially in economic development scenarios where there's companies from outside of our, our area, I said, you know, call on me, you know, let me be passionate and excited about this community, yeah. just like I was for Northland when I was president of the Northland Community Council for six years previous to, to council. But I see that as, you know, as we divide into different, you know, districts, I they're the chief, you know, each person in each district should be the chief cheerleader for their communities. And so I think that, you know, it's exciting that people will have that point of engagement with one particular one, but they can still call the other eight. Yeah. And, you know, I would encourage people, you know, again, to get involved with that area commission structure. Start at your, you know, start in your neighborhood. Most neighborhoods have a block watch or they have a civic association, but then ultimately you can go to the area commission. And of course, everyone is welcome to call any one of us on council today, come down to what we call the people's house, the people's chamber, come down, attend a meeting. You know, now it's even easier. This is one of the good benefits of COVID because we're also broadcasting these things outside of, you know, I always had trouble finding that channel three uh, with different cable systems, you know, to watch it on TV. Right. But now watch it, you know, on all of the uh, social media sites, YouTube and uh, Facebook. So we encourage people to get involved that way as well. This is amazing. I want to thank you both for taking the time to really give it to us in layman terms of what this is for our community. <laughs> it's important, like you said, we get involved, get engaged. But for the city, greater city of Columbus, this is what we're about, and this is what this is we're hoping to achieve, um, the unification of all of that. Um, thank you again, Councilmember Remy, for your work, the continued work that you do for us. Um, yes. Legal analyst Naya Walters, who's also doing the work, who's doing the groundwork for us, giving us those facts and those numbers and the data. Thank you for that as well. Um, so again, we appreciate you taking the time for being here with us today and giving it to us in literally in black and white. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for having us. Also, if there's anything that if people want to stay involved in this process, yeah. they can email us if they have any questions at crdc at columbus.gov. They can also visit our website at www.columbus.gov forward slash districting commission. I mean, like I had mentioned earlier, um, our new maps are coming out today on November 10th and they will be out for 30 days. There will be a public hearing on December 8th and there will be a final vote by both the commission and council on December 13th. So I encourage residents to stay engaged, um, take a look at the new maps, tell us which map best represents you and your community, because that's what we're really looking for right now. What is the best map for you and your community? And let us know that and let council members know that as they prepare to vote. So that'll be my last two bits. <laughs> Thank you All so right. much, Dr. Dean and Scott. We appreciate it. Thanks for allowing I and I the opportunity to talk frankly and, and in black and white with the residents of Columbus. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For everybody else out there, you will be able to find this episode on Dispatch.com or wherever you get your podcast. And if you really support local journalism, consider becoming a subscriber. Um, and for everybody else, be sure to check back regularly for the next installment of the In Black and White podcast series. So until the next time, try to see things from the other side. Thanks. Thanks.